So where's your brand going to invest all their time, all their energy? It's the majority of whatever that brand's hotels are. So you're always going to have outliers and how do you, how do you protect them? How do you adopt every technology you can? How do you scale? And that's the biggest part for these brands, I think. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. And today, listeners, this is a special one. I've been waiting to get this gentleman on the podcast for a while now. And the reason is, let me give you a little history. I don't usually do this. I have today Sean Tarter, the founder and president at Real Time Reservation. Yes, that Real Time Reservation, who has been our proud lead sponsor since day one of this podcast. Sean, Thank you for joining us today. It's, it's a pleasure being here, Steve. You're, you're too kind to me always. Well, Sean, listen, we always jump in with your first job in hospitality, but we talked a little bit about this. You didn't originally start in hospitality. So what was your first job out of school? Because I know you were studying finance and marketing and it wasn't hospitality. What were you doing when you left school? Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's been 10 years in hospitality now. I think you eventually get pretty pretty used to it. And the, and the kindness of hospitality kind of keeps you focused on just being a good person. But uh, before this, I had a, a financial software company. I've always been an operations guy, even out of school, getting operation jobs, uh, trying to get things more efficient. I've really been through just the, the need to see if you can make things work better. And it's always been in the finance industry, all about compliance. The hospitality industry is not getting in that same direction, we say. But it's been a, a nice job from finance, from finance to hospitality. So you're in the finance world. You're working for big companies like J.P. Morgan. You start your own company. And how did you come up with this idea for real-time reservation? Because this is not something that was on your radar, I don't think. you were. I remember you told me you just kind of came up with it one day. How did you start with this? Yeah, I, I always loved traveling. I always loved bringing my family on vacations. But I had an exit in financial software. But part of the agreement was to leave the industry for two and a half years. And I wound up being on vacation with my family in Aruba. And I know I did my next direction in life. And we wind up looking for a palapa, which is an umbrella structure in the sand. Very hard to get on the beach of Aruba. And just an inefficient process, long lines, things like that. This was 10 years ago. This is the end of 2013. And I wound up speaking to some great folks at the Aruba Hyatt and, and, and Hilton Aruba. 
And it was just really wonderful to kind of say, can we build a system together? And I wound up doing it for three or four years, I think now, without cost, just to learn and to understand the industry, to understand how, how to yield manage. It's really being part of something, but strictly on the operation side. You know, how do we make the guests uh, have a better experience? How do we have the concierge who was located a mile away, communicate with the recreation team was on the beach? Maybe an umbrella or a cabana might be broken. Um, how do they communicate? What if a guest books a cabana that's broken? How did, how did they work on that? So it was really about understanding the operation process and just making it better. We were not even thinking about finance at all or revenue at all. And so revenue wasn't even a hot topic like it is today. It was strictly learning yeah. about operations and how to make the system a little smoother for, for guests and staff. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I have to reverse back here. So it's 2013, you are just sold your company, you're sitting on the beach in Aruba, and what, you're just like having a pina colada, talking to the bartender and seeing, hey, do you have something that does this or doesn't do this and an idea formed? That's uh, it, was, it was actually worse. It was 93 degrees, it was windy, so it's nice. And if you don't get shade of some kind, your kids, and my kids were really little at the time, maybe two or three-year-old kids, like that little, and your kids just burn in the sun. So unless you get this umbrella, you don't have a chance. And there was actually online, and there was a guy on a, you know, an iPad next to me on the, on, sitting down. And at that time, the iPhone came out. Everything was I something, I something. And I said, what do you, what do you want, ipalapa.com? They got a palapa as a structure on the beach. And he looks at me, and I, I wound up preserving the domain name a little bit while later that day and figured there must be a better way to do this. And it just seemed that having those conversations, and it seemed to have been a hot button topic for the management at that time, operation efficiencies. Uh, also working with the, some of the unions down there as well. They wanted to see if there's a way to get you know, the union employees to be happy with the system and to just make it a better system for the, for the management team. So it seems like it was a needed system. I happened to be there without any knowledge of it. I wound up sending two of my guys down that, that were really close friends of mine to learn about this system. And you're in the Caribbean, so it's always beautiful and it's, a, it's not a bad job. Did you have a contract beforehand? Or was it something that you just created? You're like, all right, I'm going to create this app for them, the iPalapa app on the fly, and I'm going to sell it to them. Or did you have a commitment from them to say, yeah, go yeah, ahead the, and create this and we'll play with it? <laughs> this is 2013. It, it's, yeah. The industry has obviously changed so much. We were really something that no one's ever built before. No one knew how to rent cabanas in any kind of software. It was always by Excel sheets or That's you know, what I was doing. Yep, Excel sheets. Yeah. So it was, just, it was just a welcome opportunity. Once we went live, and we didn't realize that, once you buy a domain name with a hotel brand in the domain name, you somehow get very quickly escorted to a New York City office space where you're being asked very politely, please have our domain name back. And it was just a great conversation to start. And we just really had actually a really nice conversation. Uh, we had no need to keep domain names. It didn't matter to us. We just wanted a white label into something that was good. Uh, for the country of Aruba. That's all it was for. And then all of a sudden, and then we realized that there was application for it outside of the Caribbean. There was a need for yield management. We were the first yield management company that's for ancillary revenue. We didn't even know it was called ancillary revenue. Yeah, so for listeners who aren't familiar with that term, what is that? So we always looked at, for, from a hotel perspective, from a hotelier's perspective, RevPAR. Uh, what is a revenue in the room? And then we realized that if you can curate experiences, if you can add structures that you could rent, uh, have a wine tour, uh, a spot in a boat or a yoga class. You can create revenue outside of the hotel room. And now we're getting into the restaurant management side of things. We're really looking at all types of ways for the guest itinerary 
while the guest is staying there. But what's most important, we realized this early on, is that guests want to reserve ahead of time. When you reserve your hotel room, you also want to reserve something else. So we're very close with the brands at the start and said, you know, how do we really reach out to the hotel guests before they come to the property? How do we get them right with the book in their hotel room? We think it's really part of the journey. And, and when you're able to book something, especially like a cabana or an expensive excursion or a romantic dinner, if you do it that far ahead of time, you could actually yield it like you would a hotel room. So we started looking at every moment in time, every, every space. It could be a, a, a boat spot. It could be you know a day pass. So it was really looking at it from that lens of saying, if we build the right structure, the right workflow for the guests, the, the, the order flow, we really can build it like a hotel room with all the nuances of a tennis court or things like that as an anon, things like that. That's so cool. So what was the first product that really took off? It was really this Palapa management, if you call it that. It's really the umbrellas in Aruba. Very quickly, they started getting lounge chairs, and that was a new category all of a sudden, lounge chairs, and then premium seating, and then cabanas. Um, and it really became our pool of beach product. When COVID hit, we had a social distancing module, which kind of led us to look at how many people can enter at a certain time. Looking at the gym became something of a vulnerability for hotels. So it was how many people could be at the gym, an outdoor pool area that might've been at a ski resort that was fine before COVID all of a sudden had to protect their guests. The lobby had to be a protection as well. So you have the situation where we have QR codes and deep links. You want to have the gym have its own deep link into just the spa and the gym area where you might want to have a digital compendium for the rest of the property. So it's really managing the guests before they arrive. And then of course, when they go into property, whatever the property wants to offer as hotel services, they could do so with ancillary revenue. I love it. And so I want to get more into that as we go. But before we jump into more details of how you're impacting the industry, you know, this is you. You mentioned you had a couple of friends helping you kind of create this. You're not a developer. And for there's a lot of people out there who have these ideas for apps and things like that. How did you start making this happen? Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely not a developer, but I know enough to be dangerous. And I think that's the key to whenever you start a situation, you need to kind of know what can and can't happen. So obviously I have a very strong development team, uh, 15 developers globally right now. Companies about over 50 people right now, which is amazing for us. And you have a strong staff to actually answer those questions. Um, so when you get into really deep conversations on Micro Symphony, we have a team. Uh, that's what they do every day. But I know enough about Micro Symphony, how it manages on the revenue side, how the accounting people use the uh, the, the revenue centers between the recreation team and the food and beverage team and what percentage goes to what. So you, I think you have to know enough about the tech that you represent and you have to know enough about the legal side of things, the compliance side of things, uh, how to protect guest data. There are things happening today that don't protect guest data for some reason. It's been our strongest uh, possibility from the beginning, our strongest, uh, our biggest strength. So I think you have to understand the hotel needs and wants. Coming from the finance industry, you know very clearly what you can't do. You would know your customer was a big deal in finance. It kind of is know your guest, also know your vendor is a big deal now. When we first started, we had the idea of collecting guest money up front. But working with the brands, they said, we'd rather you not collect guest money. We'd rather the hotel collect the guest money up front. So we did all the integrations and all the payment processors so the hotel guest actually sees the hotel name on the credit card statement when they reserve the cabana. In the past, it's always been going to a third party and seeing their name on the cabana. So a lot of chargebacks would happen. 
So we got into a lot of things with the idea of making a more efficient process for booking hotel services. What we wound up with was the correct booking flow of integration into the credit card processors, picking what service you want, having add-ons and bundling and packages, and then how it has to be processed with the check opening up and the point of sale. And that was something the industry hasn't really understood prior to 2013. And then all of a sudden, we started realizing that we saw we want to use revenue centers. We want to use point of sale systems. We want to use property management systems to validate the guests. And now a really big initiative, uh, we've been in this for about, about four years now, and most of our brands are on this with us, is single sign-on. It's the idea that the staff has to sign in with their credentials from the hotel, not made up credentials with us. And that prevents in case staff leaves the property, they should still have access to the, the system. So a lot of things that seem easy with ancillary revenue become really deep in terms of compliance and understanding and PII and, and all the stuff out of Europe with GDPR, where if a guest says to you, can you take my name out of the database, you do it. And then also, we never own the data. That was the biggest thing. Every vendor in the world wants to own the data, but if you want to work in hospitality, you can never own the data. The hotel always owns their data, and it's our job to make it marketable and to be really strong in data integrity and reporting. And we look at hotel umbrellas and multiple hotels together that might be a, a management company or a hotel brand or a group of properties where they want to compare one hotel against another. So we want to give the hotel the tools to know where their client is. Something that's great in our restaurant platform is that uh, because we're integrated Hold into- on, I'm going to pause you. So we've gone over a lot. And I didn't mean to cut you off. We got a lot of detail and going through things there. And I want to get into some of the more technical pieces, but you know, I want to get into like a theme that we've talked about behind the scenes is hotels seem to be slow to grasp new technology. It's like of all the industries, hospitality, hotels seems to be the slowest. Why do you think that is? Why does that keep happening in our industry? I, I think that when you look at systems in hospitality, it seems and I have experience in the finance industry. Hospitality is always changing. The guests are changing. The hotel initiatives are changing. You have incredible things happening out of nowhere. You see what's happening with the Sphere in Las Vegas. And just how that exist? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And how do you prepare for it on the technology side? And then how do you bring someone in that's been in a, you know, in a different property in Vermont, now all of a sudden in Las Vegas, figuring out what should we do there? And then on top of that, how do you market this? How do you integrate this? And a lot of things when it comes to integration involves a tech team. You have a marketing team. You have to be on, on the design of the brand as well. So everyone's got to approve everything. So the idea and the comparison I can make from finance was that most of the financial banks are still using Internet Explorer um, because they were able to build a security feature in Internet Explorer and they were afraid to leave, even when everyone's using, you know, Safari and Google Chrome and everything same today. And it's kind of a comparison to what's happening in hospitality, where you want to stick with what you're comfortable in, even if it doesn't really make sense for your business, it's easier. And the only time it doesn't make sense is when that product becomes so obsolete that the guests are saying they want change. So the idea when I, we first started real-time reservation, there used to be iPalapa in, you know, in 2013. 
and we obviously changed our name. It was because nobody wants to wait online for hours at five o'clock in the morning. There's a casino on property that no one wants to stay up late for because they have to wake up at five in the morning. The families aren't eating breakfast together. There's stress involved in the vacation. People are choosing not to go to that property because they don't want to wait in line. They'd rather go to a different country or, you know, you start comparing countries all of a sudden in certain areas where, where is it warm? Where is there an island? Where are there chairs? Do I want stress or not stress? You know, so all of the countries, all the hotels are always competing. So when you have an opportunity to have a guest experience, and that's what we really focused on, guest experience and guest scores, you tend to lead technology perhaps that way. And I think also the adoption, I think out of COVID, people started using technology more. So you had a generational issue where they said, I think certain demographics at certain ages are not going to be comfortable using their phones. And now you see grandparents and great-grandparents uh, chatting with, with grandkids as if it was always something they did. But it wasn't like that in 2013. And that was a real concern in 2013. In 2013, tell you how, how different it was, you had a certain limit of how many devices you could have in your hotel room. And anything more than two is like, you can't have more than two. So it's really come a long way. I think the adoption's slow because it has to be based on so many factors, so much criteria. Certain countries have weaker Wi-Fi. Certain countries have brownout issues when it comes to energy and, 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 and just actually having devices that would work. And then different parts of, of even the United States has different issues with, with some type of compliance, some type of ability to get certain products in there. Storms can influence things as well. And then you look at who you're actually working with. All of a sudden, you know, again, we've been around for 10 years and we have all the approvals and integrations and the insurance that you want us to have. We work in casinos, which is some of the toughest requirements. You know, so a new startup, their biggest challenge now is going to be, are we viable? If COVID happened again, and we saw what happened during COVID with some vendors that they were kind of spending guest money and finance world tells you, you can't do that. You have to separate hotel money from yours. And at the very beginning, we knew that. Um, so when COVID happened, the hotels got paid day one, they didn't care, but they did lose a lot of money because they trusted startups that didn't really have that background to protect their own assets. So a lot of times when you said, you know, why would a company not change to the latest technology? It's because they're afraid to not use the biggest and the most well-known. We see that with our own stack. We use Salesforce, we use Microsoft, we use Chase Bank. You know, we use the largest players that we can because if they fall down, what do we do? You know, and I think that we always run in the same, you know, situations where you know, who are you dealing with? Who, who do you work with? Who, you, who do you know? Who do you trust? And who else are you dealing, doing business with? You know, I think we have about 800 properties right now globally, and it just keeps growing. And, and they're coming in groups of, of like 100 at a time and 20 at a time, 30 at a time. It's just a different concept than it was when we first started. It says, you know, we have three properties. We're so proud of our three. And we were. I mean, it was amazing. It was our entire life. It's just evolved into who do you trust now? What integrations do they have? Are their integrations actually stamped by Oracle, by Agilisys? And the Alavon folks, have they stamped this? Freedom have they stamped this? You know, so there's a lot of shortcuts that you could take, but I think people really rely on credibility. Uh, your word is really important. I can't stress enough the fact that people like honest people, even in their, have to sell their business. They have to, they have to do work. They have to, you know, sell what they do. But as soon as they catch you and being not exactly honest or COVID happens and things happen or something kind of weird happens in the background, hoteliers are real smart. And I think that 
when you mentioned this industry, why it takes so long to adopt change, I think it's because hospitality people are actually really kind, good people. And they kind of meet people who are kind and good. And that's when great relationships happen. And if they don't feel you out there, they're not going to move. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I could say in hospitality is the trust has to be there. You have to lead with integrity. And there really are no shortcuts here. It took us 10 years. Yeah, that's great advice. And you mentioned that you're working with 800 different properties around the globe. So you get to see so many brands doing unique things. Is there certain brands that you think are really leading the way by embracing technology that you've seen? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting you say that. And obviously, you know, we, we work with, with great people, great leaders uh, at great brands. And, and some are global. They're giant brands that have great names and, and great depth across different countries and challenge us to, to work in Australia, to work in Egypt, to work in all different countries with all different requirements. They challenge us to get credit cards approved in Mexico, to integrate with those, to really, really difficult challenges. And then you see also some very nimble brands, very small brands that say, you know, we want to do everything the latest of tech, you know, re redesign your pages. Design part's actually the easy part. We could change design. We did it for a, a large brand, I think in a matter of weeks. It's just really changing the, the entire brand. I mean, the entire design. So you have to be flexible out there. But I think that all brands I've noticed and all management companies, and even at the hotel level, I'd say when I use the word demanding, it's they have requirements that they have to keep because you represent them. You know, we're, we're completely white labeled to the hotel site. So when we represent a brand or a hotel or a management company or all three, we really want to make sure that we're representing that particular hotel at the micro level and also the brand at the global level. I love hearing that. And so is there a way, maybe brands that are a little bit nervous of taking on new technology, is there a way for them to vet? I'm not just talking your company. How should they be looking at other brands to be like, all right, this is a good brand to bring in. We're not going to get screwed that they're going to take our money if they're holding it the wrong way. How can they start vetting companies to bring in? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great question. And we go through those onboarding documents, those risk profiles. It takes our team, our head developer, a week to go through these spreadsheets and it's thousands of questions. And it's easier not having a master agreement. It's easier not going through compliance until, of course, you become successful at that brand. And then they ask you why you haven't done this. And then you won't exist much longer. So you have to go through those long processes. I think that's the way to do it. I think that in 2013, we didn't exactly have all the approvals, the first one property. But when you get to the second property, you have to have everything. And now I don't even think you can get in the front door of any brand, of any hotel, if you don't really have what you need in terms of full financials, the right insurance in place. We have automobile insurance. And I remember saying to the brand, we promise not to drive on your property. And they said, you don't have to have it, but we knew that meant there's a requirement. So you have to have millions of dollars of liability insurance and coverage and cyber coverage. You have to have all different types of pen tests from third parties. You partnered up with TrustWave in this matter. You want to make sure that your, your site is compliant, that you have all the GDPR information ready to be handed out. You have to have full documentation. So I think that you want to take the risk out of whoever you're speaking to at that brand because that person's name gets tied to you. And I think if you look at it in that manner that is this person willing to risk their promotion, their bonuses, their job, their livelihood that they've been there for 20 something years, taking a chance on you, you really have to come in there saying there is no risk to you.
from a security standpoint, from a risk standpoint, we've been fully vetted by the brand already. And this is what we plan on doing with you. What do you think? And you have to also be prepared for a brand to say, look, we like you for these six products and we don't like you for this one. Uh, we have something working on with this second product. You know, please leave this alone. Well, we just want you in North America and Europe, but please don't go after our Latin America region. We have something else in mind for that. So you have to be flexible enough to kind of work with brands. Your ego has to be at the door. Leave it there. Don't bring it in the room with you. I think that the kindness of hospitality allows you to walk it to the door, but there's an expectation that you value where you are and that you value the people that you're speaking to. I love that. And now talk about technology. It seems like there's so many buzzwords that are always coming up every year. Like last year's, it was NFTs. This year's, it was big AI. And I think that will continue on to next year. Are hotels asking you about some of these tools? Is that ever coming up in conversation right now? Like what's the latest? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we hear AI a lot. We think it's overused to some level, but we love it in other parts of it. We love AI when it comes to the guest experience. We're doing a lot of research right now excuse me, into what AI means for the guest journey, when the guests communicate, what else do they want to say? What's the expected behavior of their response, whether it's on a website, through different human channels, things like that. So AI has been an amazing experience. We see AI a lot right now in our um, yield management tools. Um, And we love it. Uh, We're embracing it. So we've gotten very far down the road for uh, revenue management, yield management, yield everything from cabanas that you name it. We're even looking at uh, yielding some of the, the restaurant stuff right now, which is a, a topic that we see where that winds up. It's an interesting topic to us. And a lot of it's based on guest experience as well. So even though the profit might be there, is the yielding worth it for you? But the AI piece is enormous and we love it. We love new technology coming out. We learn about it a lot. We're not the first in that area and we won't be in the AI piece, but we're going to learn about it a lot and see kind of let, let it get vetted through a little bit on the hospitality side first. Let's see what the demand is, but it's getting real close and we really like it. So we've talked about this and listeners who have heard the podcast know this is that as a director, I used to have to log into like 12 different programs just to operate my department. And I, when we first started talking like, man, I just wish we could make this more efficient. Are you seeing that people are looking for a one fits all tool or are they going to like, all right, I'm gonna use still a bunch of different that are best in class, which some are and some are. How do you see people doing it? Because you have so many hotels that are using your products. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that every hotel here wants a one-stop shop. We see it mean different things, different people. And that's that's been interesting to us. We look at the day guest and the overnight guest and then the club member. Should that all be on the same system? Should there be integration there? I think there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen. Uh, we participate in a lot of that across channel. We integrate to a lot of partners as well, from distribution to doing things in-house to, to local systems. So I think you want the best in breed. Our, our goal as a company is to own the itinerary. We are getting heavy into restaurants and spa, along with cabanas and activities and, and amenities and, and, and things like that. So you really want to bring from our side everything together. But it's always going to be something else that you know is a separate item. It just always is going to happen. You want to make sure that you really can be competent in what you're doing. I think it's a very long time to increase, to create a new module. We do a lot of market research, just like when we first started. When we first started, it took us over two years to develop a cabana module, and then probably another four years to get our third client. You know, really making sure it's right. And that's the biggest part of this is that you don't want to half-ass it. You know, if you're if you if you want to sell a cabana module today and you don't have any integrations, and you don't understand yield management, and you don't understand 
the behaviors of the guests, then you should not be selling that module. Uh, and the same thing with activities or curated events. If you really are starting something and don't understand the business as much as you should, you don't know how the points work versus yield works, you shouldn't really be selling it. And we see startups and things, you know, I'll give you a, a year free or two years free or 10 years free. The smart hoteliers spot that out right away. You also want the vendor to make money. You want your vendor to be profitable. If you want to bring on, you know, properties and, and not charging for a year, well, how do they make money? How do they keep the lights on? Unless they got so much funding and that could dry up and we don't know how that works. So I think that you really want to make sure that you have an honest dialogue that, and we love to have, you know, promotions and stuff and we do discounts on bundling and we want to give the best price out there. We always look at the pricing part of this, um, but it has to always make sense. And I think we also do a good return on investment. So the ROI is always a big part of the conversation, but you really want to make sure that whoever you're dealing with, even if it's not us, we hope it always is us, but if it's someone else, that you really know your partner. We hear the word roadmap a lot. Oh, it's it's on the roadmap. We'll, we'll create uh, this map. We'll, we'll have integration into Micro Symphony in Q4 of next year. These are very dangerous things for I'll tell you to hear. Most of them say, what's not on the roadmap? Let me see the back end. Let me see how things work. And I'm interested in, in more development work. And, and, can you, and can you be flexible enough to help us as we need help along the way? And that's, I think, what you really want. You really want to be a partner. Not every hotel is the same. And I'd say most are different. And Steve, when you were mentioning before about, you know, how, you know, how, how come the hotel industry is, is, is a little slower to, to adapt to the latest technology, it's every hotel is different. The airport hotel, the resort hotel. So, and if you're a, a manager level, a management company level, or an ownership level, you're going to treat different segments differently. And so does the brand. So where's a brand going to invest all their time, all their energy? It's the majority of whatever that brand's hotels are. So you're always going to have outliers. And how do you how do you protect them? How do you adopt every technology you can? How do you scale? And that's the biggest part for these brands, that I think. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of great information on there. And so, you know, I know you're a busy guy and we're, get, we're getting a little bit low on time here. But I don't want you to be Nostradamus here, but I want you to think like 12 to 24 months out, what are going to be some interesting ways for hotels to make money outside of their rooms because you're doing a lot of things and you're talking to a lot of different brands what are some interesting ones maybe like the top two or three that you're seeing that aren't so common yeah i i think the ability to accept deposits ahead of time even paid in full maybe but deposits ahead of time we're noticing a, a real demand to keep deposits for what for anything from restaurants to activities whatever it might be multiple bookings, guests are on vacation, they're on a business trip, whatever it might be. And if they don't show up, the property loses a tremendous amount of money, especially in the hottest restaurant in town or the best cabana or the best activity or a boat ride that all of a sudden can't leave because they needed 19 spaces and, and four showed up. We also know that the, the, the guests do expect a combined experience on the back end. So all the hotels are using multiple vendors and the luxury guests especially is expecting that the golf team and the spa team are coordinating. And if I have a golf outing and a spa massage at the exact same time, the hotel should know that. So surely I could dispute that charge. And that's really where it has to come into getting deposits up front, having a, a one itinerary, understanding what the guest is. And I think the trends really are going to be towards that one itinerary and deposits. I think that might be in the short term as well. I don't think that's really 18 months out. That, that might be two months out. And that's kind of where we're headed in, in that direction. More, more things, in, especially when it comes to experiences and curated experiences, 
and we've had this for a while, but we really see the trend picking up is lead time. So a lot of hoteliers will say to us that they can offer a service if they had a certain amount of time to prepare. So you might have a, a basketball pro that says they wanted to coach a pickup game or be part of a pickup game if they had three days notice or a, a birthday cake from a chef if they had, you know, 24 hours notice or a certain bottle of alcohol or, or a boat ride. So I think we're noticing a lot to do with lead time that if you can create lead time and we have it in our software for years, uh, but it's such a vital piece of this that if I knew that I needed three days, the guest booking online would not be able to book two days out or a day out. Uh, but three days, they would see all the activities. And that way, a lot of things, and we talk about trending, you could bring more services onto property, not even your own, more curated experiences, if you know how much time you had that the vendor needed to prepare. So I think those are really two big trends, hotel deposits, bundling of uh, events and opportunities, and of course, looking at lead time and bringing outside services onto the property. I love it. I think those are great and I agree with you on those. I think those are going to be big ones for generating revenue because I saw it with restaurants where I would do deposits and people wouldn't show up. And that was a giant line of profit for us. We're seeing that a lot. We're seeing that a lot with restaurants. Yeah. I love it. So if somebody, you know, I'm not going to ask career advice, but if you were giving advice to a boutique hotel just opening up, someone that's hitting the, the market now looking to really use technology, what advice would you give them? Other than using your tool, which I know they would be using, what other advice would you be giving them to really look at as they're starting out? Yeah, I would think if you're just starting, what is your core competency? What do you really hope to accomplish? And then what are your goals? I think you look at a business plan, a financial plan. You know, how much do I want to make Peru? And then what kind of guests do I have? What type of services do my guests want to receive when they get to the hotel? And then with that information, I could really understand what type of delivery do I want to provide these guests? It used to be in the luxury end, they didn't want technology. But now after COVID, the luxury side is more interested in technology because they could offer more, more of a package detail. Some of the luxury spas would spend days speaking to a client about the, the actual massage, the treatment, the details. And now it's all online in an easier to look at a platform. So we want to make sure, especially when we're starting out as a hotel, what's our budget for tech? Uh, what's our budget for services? And what kind of hotel do you want to be? The actual setup is what really costs a lot of money. Not on the technology side, but how do you prepare a spa? How do you build a restaurant from the ground up? That's the big hard cost, the construction cost. And then, and then what do I want to offer in that? The technology side for us is easy. It's how do you want to bundle activities, put things together, make things ready, make them uh, QR codes and make them searchable on, online. SEO has to be there. Design has to be there. That's easy. It's, I think, understanding from a hotel, what kind of hotel do you want to be? And it's all different types of hotels out there and they're all successful, especially the ones that really know who they are become the most successful hotel that we see. I think that's great advice for anyone starting out in their hospitality journey, especially if they're building something from the ground up. Well, Sean, I appreciate you taking the time to join all of us today. And I got to say, I know we are all grateful for real-time reservation sponsoring this podcast since day one and being part of our team and putting out all these messages to the world. Uh, if somebody wants to learn more about real-time reservation, how can they do that? Realtimereservation.com. See, so right. listeners, if you're driving, when you park, make sure to check out realtimereservation.com. Connect with Sean on LinkedIn. And listen, guys, I'm not just saying this because they are a sponsor. I use this product. I recommend this product to my clients. And if you're looking for the best in class, make sure to work with Sean Tarter and his real-time reservation team. 
Thanks again, Sean. Appreciate you, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.